Don't be too excited. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> So if you haven't been with us the past few weeks, uh, we've been reading a lot of church growth books and studying how to really make things relevant for church. So we're doing this new thing where we're studying the Bible. Uh, so that's a joke. That was a joke. Uh, we are, we are uh, right in the middle of Philippians, a book that I just love so much. And today we're talking about chapter three. If you haven't been reading with us, uh, it's not too late to do that. I know some small groups are reading that together, uh, or you can just read that individually. Next week, we'll cover chapter four. Uh, so I would encourage you to catch up and read chapter four uh, before that. But just a little recap. Uh, by the way, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, first week, first chapter, uh, we talked about grace and peace, and we talked about what it meant to live in Christ. And uh, what it means to uh, megaluno, to magnify Christ in all we do. And also what it means to, to die is to, is to gain what that meant. And then last week we heard from Kyle Lung, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yours was about as good as mine. So, <laughs> uh, Kyle, thank you so much for speaking. Uh, we talked about uh, the humility and the servanthood of Christ and how empathy is the key to unity. And so uh, we want to remember, as we jump into chapter 3, we remember that this is not a book. We call it a book, but it's a letter. It's a letter from a man who is in prison, who has faced suffering after suffering, who thinks he might be executed, and he is reaching out uh, to a church he planted. All right? So let's jump in, chapter 3. I want to start by asking a question, a uh, pretty basic qu question, uh, but what is... What is the goal of the Christian life? What is the main purpose uh, for a follower of Jesus? Is it having a, a certain set of beliefs? Uh, is, it, is it having a right moral code? Or maybe doing a lot of good things over time? It's a basic question, but it's an important question because uh, in theory, someone who follows Jesus uh, should have more purpose should have more worth, should have more meaning than someone who doesn't follow Jesus. Uh, someone who follows Jesus should be less stressed and less anxious. Uh, should be more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, more gentle. How do you guys think we're doing on that? <laughs> uh, I used to work at Starbucks in Oklahoma City, and nobody wanted to work the Sunday morning shift. Can you guess why? Because uh, people were in such a rush to get to church uh, that they would be so mean to the Starbucks workers. They're like, yeah, I'll work a Saturday night, but I will not work a Sunday morning because of those church people. Oftentimes, uh, those who follow Jesus uh, don't appear to be any different than the rest of the world. So the question is, what is the purpose of this whole deal? Why are we even doing this? What is the goal and the aim? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Paul has a lot to say on this topic in Philippians. So let's jump into the Holy Bible together. Uh, Philippians 3, we're going to start in verse 7, okay? Uh, let's read together. Whatever gains uh, to me, I now consider loss. So before this verse, Paul goes uh, and tells everybody all of these amazing things he's done in his tribe uh, he's done a, uh, uh, many accomplishments, great status, and he says, whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. 
What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And here we go. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I consider them garbage. So when I first look at this word garbage, the Greek word for garbage is a skubalon. Everybody say skubalon. skubalon. Good job. Good job. Skubalon is a really interesting Greek word. Uh, it can mean rubbish. Uh, one translation translated as uh, what's given to the dogs, what's thrown to the dogs. And I thought that was interesting because in California in our day, dogs eat pretty nicely, right? <laughs> I was in Safeway actually just this week, and uh, I heard somebody talking to someone in the car, and they were like, it's okay, we'll be done soon. Don't worry, it's no problem. And I, I, oh, she must have a baby in there. I didn't know. And I turn around, it's her dog. It's her dog she's talking to. And that's not weird for us. <laughs> that's just normal. Uh, so that illustration doesn't work. Uh, another <laughs> word for scubalon is, uh, so garbage. Another one is dung. Uh, King James Version calls it dung. Uh, Martin Luther uh, translated uh, as shiza. If anybody knows German, okay, yeah, 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 which I thought was a great word to use. Like our, my dog, uh, you know, makes a mess in our backyard, and sometimes I want to say to the kids, like, I, did someone step in scubalon? I smell scubalon there, so that's a new word I can use. So this is dung, garbage, rubbish. Uh, we're all, here's the deal, we're all hardwired within us uh, for purpose. We all have a, a hole inside us uh, we're trying to fill with meaning and purpose. When we look at the beginning of Scripture, uh, we see this beautiful poem and this beautiful illustration of God with humans living in wholeness and shalom. And it was perfect. It was good. But then sin enters the picture. And ever since then, we are searching desperately to find this meaning, purpose, and wholeness. And many of us in this world, most of us, are trying to find our worth and our value and our meaning in three main ways. I learned these three ways from Henry Nouwen, and they've just been revolutionary for me, okay? One of the first ways that we try to find this meaning and purpose, we try to make our goal uh, by, by, by saying, I am what I do. That's the first way. We try to answer this question, this meaning, this goal by what I do. Our job, our skill, our talent. Uh, maybe we're an entrepreneur, a coder, a teacher. The first question we ask somebody when we meet them, what do you do? What do you do? Uh, I read this interesting art article from uh, The Atlantic recently uh, that talks about workism and uh, how it's making Amer Americans miserable. I love this quote in here. The author says, what is workism? It is a belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose. And the belief that any policy to promote human welfare must always encourage more work. Uh, homo industrious is not new to the American landscape. The American dream, the mythology that hard work always guarantees upward mobility, has for more than a century made the U.S. obsessed with material success an exhaustive striving required to earn it. I don't know if you relate to that, but I, I sure do, especially here in Silicon Valley. Uh, we try to find so much of our worth and our identity in what I do. 
the classic uh, question that we, we wrestle with. What do I do? It's just ingrained in us. So that's the first category. The second category uh, that we try to fill this meaning and purpose is, is what I have. What I have. We live in a consumer culture. We all know that. Uh, we live in a culture where we're constantly trying to be sold something that uh, you're not happy until you have this thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this. Uh, there used to be this thing on airplanes called Sky Mall. Anybody remember that? It was really, it was really a brilliant strategy. You're stuck on an airplane and you're bored to death, and they'd slip this Sky Mall, which was really just a magazine of things to buy. And they were just random stuff, and you'd go through it, and I'd be reading it, and I would say, man, I have to have that. Like, my life is not complete until I have this thing. And, uh, and so I was like, man, I wonder what some of, those, some of the best Sky Mall uh, products ever made was. So I'm going to show you some of my favorite Sky Mall products. Oh, let's go ahead and hit the first one. Yeah, that's a, that's a dog toaster. So you can pick different kind of breeds, too. If you want a boxer, it's $39.99. Dog toaster. Okay, next one. Justin Bieber... Uh, f- like floss. And I, that's like weird enough, but my favorite part is a little detail. It says 55 yards. <laughs> 55 yards of Justin Bieber through your teeth. Okay, next one. I just found this one creepy. This is called a, a Roboto Baby. Over $100. And then my la- the favorite one. I just love this one so much. <laughs> I love the guy's face. Like he's, he's like, thank you, promoter, for giving me this job. <laughs> These are real products that you could find in Sky Mall, and you'd see them, and you'd be like, man, I have to have that. Uh, maybe it's not products like these, uh, but there's things like our stock options, our Tesla, uh, buying a house. So many of us in Silicon Valley uh, just dream of owning a house one day. You can change that. That's starting to get weird. <laughs> I'm trying to make a serious point. I can't di- like, divert your eyes, man. Come on. Uh, uh, a relationship. It's not just material things. We try to define our worth by what we have, my relationship, my family, the signif- significant other. I know for me, financial security is such a big deal for me. I get worried about that kind of stuff. So that's the second category. The third one is we try to find our worth, our meaning, by what people say about me. Our status, our success, our perception, uh, how do I look on social media, uh, my envy for what others have, my followers, my likes, make sure everything's filtered. Uh, I was listening to a podcast on NPR, and uh, teens were talking about the Instagram pressures that they feel. Some of them were saying they they actually have two Instagram accounts now. Uh, One Instagram account for a small group of close friends, another Instagram account totally for the perception they want to show to other people. This is a a, a battle we all face, uh, the desire to make myself look better to others. Is another major one for me that I battle. But these are the three categories uh, that oftentimes we try to find our meaning and our worth from. And uh, Paul, like I mentioned earlier, uh, in verses 1 through 6, he, he goes through a list of these things. See, he had done a lot of amazing things in his tribe. He had a lot of success. 
He had great status. And ultimately, he said, that wasn't fulfilling enough for me. He says, that is scubalon. That is dung. That is garbage. And so I'm really, uh, I'm going to give you guys a gift right now, okay? I'm going to create something that you've never seen before. This is going to be called the Triangle of Scubalon. Thanks for laughing at that. Uh, many of us, what I do, constantly, what I do, that's where I get my worth and my meaning. What I have, my possessions, what people say, huge one. And Paul is saying, I've done all that. I've done all that, and I've realized that it's scuba. This is the triangle scuba. This is going to be in seminary books one day, you guys. <laughs> Feel lucky. He's trying all of that, and it's rubbish, and it's garbage. Many of us have made that the goal of our lives, whether we know it or not. We've tried these different strategies, a combination of these strategies, and we keep trying them, and the reality is they're unfulfilling. We know that deep down. Uh, we've tried them again after again. They're unfulfilling. So the question remains, what is the goal of this Christian life? What is the goal of following this Christ? So let's continue. Philippians 3, now we're going to 9 through 11. So we finish this phrase, I consider them scubalon, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection participation in suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. I love that phrase, know Christ. The Greek word there is ginosko. Everybody say ginosko. ginosko. Yeah, it's like a soft G, right? In Oklahoma, we always called those things that you eat gyros. They're not gyros, Okay. Ginosko, I love this Greek word. It simply means to know. And it's not the kind of knowledge that we just gain knowledge, uh, material type knowledge. It's a deeper kind of knowing. Uh, we can see the depth of this usage in the Old Testament. The Old Testament uses to know uh, when talking about sexual intercourse. In Genesis 4, it says this, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. In Hebrew, the verb is yada. And in Greek, it's translated to genosko. The verb indicates the most intimate knowledge of another person, to know Christ intimately. It's two kinds of knowledge, factual knowledge and intimate knowledge. And for many of us, Christianity uh, can easily become a religion that is focused on facts I grew up doing these Bible quizzes. See who can turn to the uh, book of the Bible the fastest. Uh, we can try to know all the right theology, the right, uh, the right facts. And Paul says, that's, that's rubbish. The goal is to know Christ intimately, to know him relationally. You guys hear me talk about my kids a lot, uh, just how much I love them and care about them. How weird would it be if you... He said, man, I'd love to get to know your kids. I'd be like, yeah, that's easy. Uh, Cohen, uh, he's two and a half. He was born on November 1st. Uh, he weighs 20 pounds, and his blood type is O positive. <laughs> You'd be like, uh, that's a little weird. 
those are all true. Those are all facts about Cohen, but that doesn't help you know him. To know him, you have to spend time with him. You have to get to know his heart and his personality and what he's all about. And this is our problem many times is we try to know Christ by just facts instead of spending time relationally, intimately with Christ. This, my friends, is the goal of the Christian life, to know Christ deeper and deeper. Let's continue on. Uh, what does it look like to know Christ in this way? Philippians 3, 12 through 15, not that I've already attained all this, I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Press on towards the goal. Uh, very sportsy type language, to win the prize. Uh, very sportsy language. Uh, any of you guys into bowling, speaking of sports? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I grew up in a really, really small town in Oklahoma, and we didn't have much. We had one stoplight, and we had one bowling alley. That was sort of the place to go to hang out. And I can still uh, smell the cigarette smoke that was in that bowling alley. Uh, I can still uh, see the people that walked in carrying their own bowling bags that were in leagues, and they'd open it up, and they'd get out their ball. And I just never really got into bowling. I just never really liked it. And one of the reasons I don't like it is because bowling uh, it has the goal of perfection. Uh, you can actually sort of beat the game by scoring a 300, right? That's a perfect game. Of course, you can try to do more of those. You can try to do it more often. Uh, but the goal is 300. It's a very results, sort of outcome-focused game. Once you hit it, you beat it. Uh, I prefer things that, that are more about the process, I like sports that are more about the process. Basketball is one of my favorite sports. Uh, you've never, Steph Curry's one of the greatest shooters of all time. He's never not missed a shot in a game, right? I mean, he might have, but, you know, like <laughs> basketball uh, is not about perfection. It's about a constant maturation, a constant process. Uh, I wanted to show you guys, speaking of basketball, a little clip, a little basketball clip real quick. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to watch that again. I want to give you context. That's Mar Mark Mornici. Yeah. Dude, he can, he can dunk a basketball. That has no point to the message. I'm just super jealous. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, love, uh, I love the process. Uh, I love the craft. Beyond sports, uh, I love writing. Uh, you can never, like, write the perfect book. You can always work on getting better. I love uh, music. Uh, you got, we could argue about this, but there's never been, like, a perfect song written. Uh, barbecue. <laughs> uh, I love the process. Things that you're constantly trying to get better at, maturing. This is what Paul is talking about. Christianity is sometimes presented as transactional. Like, okay, I became a Christian, I scored a 300, now I'm good. It's done. I decided to receive Christ. It's done. But Paul is saying this is a process of pressing on, continuing to mature, a process of knowing Christ more and more and more. 
And in Christ is the place where we find peace and shalom, meaning and fulfillment we're all searching for. So how do we participate in this knowing? How do we enter into this lifelong process of pressing in? I want to show you a picture of uh, a guy named Brother Lawrence. Uh, many of you uh, might have heard of him. Maybe you've read his book, Practicing the Presence of God. Uh, Brother Lawrence was, uh, he was born into poverty, and he uh, eventually became a monk. And he was in the kitchen, not even the main uh, kitchen staff, but he was a kitchen aide. And he learned this process of, of uh, practicing the presence of God is what he called it. And his menial task, his Monday task, you know, washing dishes, prepping food, cooking food, he started realizing that God was with him in each moment. He started learning ways that he could commune with God in every single uh, situation. The availability of God's love was in each and every moment. And so we have this, this chance every moment to, to either find our meaning and our worth uh, through the scubalon of life. We can keep trying that, that route. Uh, what I do, what I have, what people say about me. Or we can go along a process, a moment-by-moment -moment process of knowing Christ more and more. So the final thing I want to say, there's three groups I want to address in here tonight. Uh, first group, uh, you may be coming here new may uh, have been dragged here at some point or just checking things out, and you're sort of on that group uh, that you don't really uh, know Christ, you don't, you're not even, wouldn't even consider yourself a follower of his. Uh, to you, I'd just say, uh, you're pressing in, your next step is uh, just to talk to him about it. Have a prayer with God. Talk to me about it after the service. Uh, come back to sanctuary. Just learn more about who this Jesus is and see if you think he's worth following. That's one group. Second group is a group of people in here that you sort of, uh, you've been a Christian your whole life. That's just sort of your identity. Maybe that's uh, the tribe you're a part of. Maybe you grew up in it in your family. Uh, you're a Christian, uh, but you've never really even considered the prospect of actually learning, starting a process of knowing Christ, of putting disciplines in your life, of praying with him, of journeying with him. Your next step is maybe uh, to memorize a scripture and meditate it on it for a week. Your next step could just be taking some steps to actually know and follow Christ, not just have the label of being a Christian. Then there's a, a final group in here uh, that you've You've been a, a follower of Jesus for a while, and you hear something like, no, Christ, yeah, I get it. I know all that stuff. Uh, but a question I would ask you that I've been asking myself is if you looked back six months ago and you look today, are you a more patient person than you were six months ago? Are you a more joyful person? Are you less anxious than you were six months ago? Are you pressing on? Are you continuing 
this process with Jesus? Are you continuing to let him transform you? Because that's what this is all about. This is not a transaction. This is not just an identity, not just a tribe that we join. This is all about the process of knowing Christ and being transformed. Let's pray together. And Jesus, I'm so, uh, so convicted and so uh, thankful for the reminder that you are with us in every moment. So I just reflect on this past week, the fact that you are our good shepherd. I ask that you would show us all this reality that uh, full meaning, purpose, fulfillment, worth, value comes from knowing the Christ, from knowing you, the creator of love, the creator of, of joy and hope. Jesus, I ask that you would show us how to take a next step. I pray for those who uh, just need to take the next step of learning about who you are. I pray for those people who need to start understanding and taking steps of uh, actually journeying with you. Not just coming to church, but learning how to follow you. I pray for those of us who have just... uh, We know about you. We love you. Just need that encouragement to press on. To each day come uh, further along our journey, to come further along our process. I pray that our goal would be to know you, to know who you are, to know your, your ways so that we can... Uh, help others to see you as well. So thank you for this time. Uh, pray as we continue to worship, uh, God, that you will remember, you will remind us that you are here with us. You want to do work in our hearts and our minds, and we'd be open to allowing you to do that. So it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.